Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Courtside Convo here on the campus of Michigan State University for Impact Studios. I am your host, Carter Landis. I'm joined by Liam Jackson and Josh Rayapan today. Guys, it's been a while since we've been in here. It's been since, like, February, you know, you know, just busy schedules and everything. But now we finally had a little bit of time to uh, get back in here and talk some hoop, and we got in here at the right time because things are <laughs> the playoffs are just starting to kick off. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I can't wait. It's uh, This is one of the most wide-open playoffs that I can remember. Um, the end of the regular season kind of slowed down in terms of my um, excitement and my interest, but yeah, I'm right back in. I'm very excited to watch as much playoff basketball as I can. I was going to say, yeah, it's been, I don't remember, since probably two or three years, maybe since the last time, where you could generally say, man, there's like three teams in the West I think can come out, or three teams in the East I think come out. And we look at the East, like one through five, any one of those teams could easily just win. Yeah. In nope. the East, we've been, for the last about decade, the East has been kind of just a laughing stock. But now the Nets are the seventh seed. Yeah. They, I don't think they can win three series, but they can sure as hell, like, they can, I don't, they can beat anybody if they get hot for a couple of games. So that is a scary, scary sight for Boston. I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, it's just so deep and uh, so much talent. Hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, won't be as injury rid- riddled as last last year's postseason. Yeah, even the Suns, who won sixty four games this year, like you, you could be like, yeah, the Suns are just going to win it all. But I don't, I wouldn't even say that with confidence. Like they're good for sure, it's, and they yeah. absolutely could. But I don't want to be like, like it's not like with the Warriors a couple years ago, where like you know they're going to win it, so there's not even any point. But with yeah, the, the Suns, I the thing is, is like I don't want to jump too far ahead, but in the if they face potentially as long as Luca gets healthy. They face the Mavs in the second round. They don't even have the best player in the series on their team. I mean, obviously they're the better team. They're gonna be favored, but Luca. We've seen Luca. He had he ran into Kawhi two years in a row in PG in the Clippers, but they, like he's basically unstoppable when it comes to the playoffs, and they just run everything through him. So I I I've, I'm just super excited, and yeah, I could go like you said, the Suns took the regular season more serious than any other team this season, and they took it to basically everyone they played all year. But they're I think they're still susceptible to. Uh, losing um for sure i don't think it's their shoe in i mean even out like in the east too you got the defending champions boxes the three seed too Mm -hmm. and it's just insane you think man you know brooklyn's gonna be a seven seed you're gonna probably face what boston this round and then philly would it be next round Uh, it would be milwaukee next round yeah milwaukee and then you're talking about bucks nets which we were talking about you know those are probably the two favorites last year to win it and they're going to be playing in the second round yeah, like they were last season, but you know, Katie's foot, uh, two inches back, two inches it. from where it should have been. Speaking of the Nets, as we said, they were in the play-in this year. I think just due to kind of a little bit of a a drop in play, kind of towards the mid-season lull. But they did host the play-in game against the Cavaliers. They won one hundred fifteen to one hundred eight. Kyrie Irving was absolutely sensational. 34 points, 12 assists. He went 12 of 15 from the floor. I think he had a perfect first half. He was 9 of 9, I believe. He made his first 12 and this oh, first, his last three. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. I mean, and with 12 assists, and then the same thing. Kevin Durant had 25 points, 5 rebounds, and 11 assists. So the passing is is the passing and the playmaking has been phenomenal for these guys. And Darius Garland on the side of the Cavs, 34 points, 5 assists. This Nets team, I mean, I know, you know, last year we saw them with James Harden and we thought, well, they should probably just walk to the finals. Uh, injuries kind of prevented them from doing that. I think they would have had more of a shot, you know, with a completely healthy squad against that Bucks team. But, I mean, they still have K- I mean, they still have KD and Kyrie. We might see Ben Simmons potentially, you know, and Boston's in the two seed. You know, is there a shot that they can beat them? I, I, I think so. Um especially Rob Williams being out, that really hurts. They had, The Celtics have been the, be, the best team um, in the NBA since, what, mid-Jan, beginning of January, really. They've yeah. just been on, they were, I think they were 11th in the East around Christmas time, around New Year's, and now shot all, shot all the way up to second. But yet, I mean, um, we even saw Bruce Brown play a huge role in the, playing in the middle of that, in the middle of that offense, made a lot of good passes, took a lot of shots. So I think, Defensively, that they're not. A, there's obviously that's what's been talked about even when the creation of that team uh, occurred. But like you said, like if Kyrie's playing like this, he's fresh just because of him being Kyrie and not playing most of the year. So he's got fresh legs, which is a rarity for him in the playoffs. And obviously, KD is KD. So 
Yeah, they can beat anybody. And another thing, Nick Claxton off the bench, our boy. <laughs> 13 points, 9 rebounds, 5 blocks. Was a minus 2 for some reason. I don't know why. But, yeah, important minutes off the bench. I think that the in that sense, like, it was the Cavs that started to work their way back. Uh, and then they kept running this, like, high screen pick and roll with KD, Bruce Brown, and Claxton or whatever big was in the game. And that just absolutely destroyed the Cavs on, like, every possession. I don't know where that came from, but... <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a guy with Kyrie Irving who can just take over games at certain games, and you just, you know, you just have to sit back and just enjoy and watch it because you're watching, you know, one of the most unique players in any sport in any history just take over. I mean, you know, you you'll see like Steph Curry take over a game, you see LeBron take over a game, but when you watch Kyrie Irving take over a game, you know, it's it's special to see because his moves, his arsenal, his ability to back you down, take you to the paint. I don't want to say, you know, he's he has a bag because, you know, he has possibly the best bag in all the NBA. And so just having that in your arsenal I think is great. And, you know, there will be games in the series I think they will take over. But I think the Celtics' depth is just so insane. And what uh, well, the Celtics coach, Emi Aduka, has done over there. He started off slow. I know lots of Celtics fans on Twitter were getting, you know, calling for his head basically. But, you know, they took some time. Able to develop. Al Horford's been a lot better this year. Tatum's been really just been taking steps and step each year. I think he's been. He's, I'd say he's a superstar right now. Jalen Brown. I just think the Celtics have too much. I think the, they'll probably go six or seven games. When it comes down to, it, I just think the depth of the Celtics is just too much in the end. I agree. I I think um, home court will play a big. I mean, um, I think that'll be a big difference in the series but also just want to say, like Kyrie doing all that like you said he's probably I think in my opinion maybe the smoothest player ever if that oh yeah but while he's fasting too nothing like that's in, that's insane like going up and down the floor for 40 minutes with the best athletes with no fuel for your body and he's he didn't miss a shot till the fourth quarter like that's I don't know he's I hope I pray that he can uh stay healthy throughout the playoffs as long as they're in, so. But also, Darius Garland, I think we deserve some oh, props, yeah. and he'll have another shot to make the playoffs tonight. But he, I, he's my pick for most improved. He's just like he went from like a negative starter probably to an All Star guard who, for a team who's offense like defense defensive minded team, but he is the he is the offense when he's out there. I like the way like he plays like jerky stops and starts, good shooter, good passer, and. Now, hopefully, Allen's playing tonight. He has his lob threat, lob threat back. So that'll be a, a really, really fun matchup. Um, so I, I hope that they crack the playoffs just so we can see uh, Darius Garland um, in a real series. The thing about the Celtics is, like, I remember before the season, I was, I was the one saying, like, I don't see like a lot of, I don't see a lot of reliable options on this team outside of Tatum and Brown. Uh, and, and now they're in the two seed, and I was like, okay, but this is this is a team that I I, I don't see doing great, especially with a with the first year head coach. But uh, the, Udoka uh, absolutely you know blew this team out of the water, just absolutely outstanding. And I think that you know even with the great team that they're playing in Brooklyn, it's not going to be easy for it's not going to be easy for the Nets at all. I mean the way that. You could throw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at Durant. You could switch both those guys, even if you want to throw a little Marcus Smart on them. You got Derek White too. Oh yeah, they. I mean, they have defense everywhere at every position, and I think that's probably a huge reason why they've been such an incredible team. You know, since pretty much January. Uh, the Nets are great, but I mean, this Celtics team—they're they're in the two seed for a reason. So I I think that if it does go. If it does go, uh, if it goes to like seven, I think that Boston would end up winning it. But then again, you do have Kevin Durant, and that's a guy who wants to get back to the finals and wants to prove that he can do it on his own, even without you know Golden State and everything. And then after that game, we had a really exciting, really fun game. Uh, the Timberwolves and the Clippers played. Uh, Minnesota ended up winning 109 to 104, so they get the seven seed, and they will take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Anthony Edwards in his first ever postseason game looked like he belonged he looked like he was built for it 30 points five rebounds also d'angelo russell another guy 25 points five rebounds six assists you know filled that stat sheet shot it really efficiently and what can you say about patrick beverly 
I mean, after they won the game, he jumps on the scorer's table like he's Kobe. I, I was watching the game with my friends, and I said, do it, man. Throw throw the jersey in the crowd. And he threw the jersey in the crowd. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. You know, you you got to love the energy from the guy. I mean, it's it's hard to hate. I mean, the whole thing with, with Patrick Beverly for me is the fact that, you know, he was, he was just bounced. He'd been traded, just been dumped by every team. He found a home in Minnesota. You know, they welcomed him with open arms. He bought into the culture there. He established, you know, some of his own culture there. And the fans love him. He loves being in Minnesota. I think he's really helped establish an identity with that squad. And, you know, he's he's the heart and soul of why this team was such a big was such a big uh uh improvement this year. And you gotta give him you gotta give him the credit for it. Absolutely. I first I know this has been said a lot, but I I shame on I love the TNT crew, but like shame on them and shame on whoever was uh making fun of their celebration like you want you you talk all all the time about how players need to care more this era of players they don't care about the regular season stuff like that and like jj reddick said a really, like they, they showed that they cared yeah and like the fans obviously cared everyone like they packed that place out yeah who cares that they so like i don't get why they're getting made fun of for celebrating i've i've if i was a tim if, if the pistons next year go to the plane and win a playing game i'll be I'll be jumping on tables too. So yeah. like, I, I'm happy for them. And also I think it was very impressive the way uh, Ant stepped up. He's just so strong. So he's so good. Um, he had a couple of finishes at the rim where he just like no one was stopping him. And then also the fact that they did it with probably Cat, one of the worst games Cat's ever played. It seemed like he was just kind of forcing things and he just never really got into a rhythm. But yeah, I think that that was that was really impressive to me that the others uh, on that team stepped up and and Ant really grew up quickly and even D'Lo um, kind of sputtered out the end of the regular season, but he was kind of like that calming presence for them even when things weren't going that great. So yeah, I was really impressed and I was happy that they won and I'm happy for uh, Minnesota and all the all their fans and and Patrick Beverly uh, obviously it meant something to him so he can celebrate as much as he wants. Absolutely. Just want to say, who in the beginning of the season said the Timberwolves would make the playoffs? Who said that? Who said that? Who ridiculed you? <laughs> who ridiculed me? All he's not here. Uh, but. Carter's yeah, they all Carter's near, but um, yeah, yeah. Anthony Edwards just lightning in the bottle, man. He's just just so fun, fast, electric, and you know, most often it's the Minnesota. It's you know they've had talent in there. They've had Cat, Levine, Wiggins, and they tried bringing Jimmy Butler. Kevin, but Love. I think yeah, Kevin Love, but. The thing they've been lacking is, you know, just a winning mentality. And, you know, I feel like, like you said, what is your culture going to be? What are you going to be about as a team? And Pat Bev, you know, he's not going to fill the stat sheet. I remember watching the last dance and started talking about Dennis Rodman and say, man, he's the best teammate to have, but he's the worst person to play against. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's basically what Pat Bev is. And that's why, you know, I'm going to probably get ahead of myself, but you're talking about a matchup with the Grizzlies where you're going against John Morant. If you need someone to get in John's head... You're not going to find a better person than Pat Bev. That's the guy to do it. I mean, it's just getting in the head of the best player on the other team. And, you know, I think you always need a veteran presence, especially with guys who have no playoff experience. And for you, look, it's his former team. He's been there for four years. He's been through ups and downs with the Clippers, and they just toss him to the side. Of course, there's going to be feelings there. You know, I don't care. I just say let it all out. Let it hang. You know, you play to win the game. That's That's what all these players are here for. If you're not in the NBA to win a ring, to go to the playoffs, to, you know, lead a team that hasn't been relevant since Kevin Garnett, basically, when he won MVP, to the playoffs and finally see those fans there, you know, it's it's just, you know, I, I get goosebumps, you know, sort of thinking about it because, you know, we all dream, we all, we all dream, dreamt of playing in the NBA. We all dreamt of being in that moment and to finally be there. You know, what's like, why not just take it? Especially, yeah. yeah, especially for a guy like Patrick Beverly, yeah. you know, didn't, you know, didn't come in the league for a while, you know, spent some time overseas and then, you know, immediately established a role for himself as a defensive disruptor. And obviously, as we've, as we've said, you know, was tossed to the wayside by almost all the teams that he's been on, you know, Houston, LA now, and then what Memphis did it to, to him when he got traded there. And now, you know, and now he's found somewhere in Minnesota and he's, established a home for himself and obviously the fans are receptive to him and you understand why he was overcome with emotion it's 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 fun to win like you said it's great to be in that position if you're a guy like patrick beverly especially for a guy like patrick beverly a shout out chris finch 
Yeah, what shout out Chris That's what I was going to say. Uh, also, yeah. one more thing. Um, like, when you watch, those are the moments that, as a fan, you want to see the players show emotion. So I just, I I hope that, and I'm glad I have uh, props to Adam Silver and the rest, whoever. I think the plan's been a massive success the first two years, So I and I'm, I'm really glad that it's been implemented, and I, I hope that um, I hope that it stays. I know they said it will, but I I I think it's a a really good addition, and it keeps tanking. It keeps tanking. Um, it kind of less teams tank, and um, yeah. So the it, I'm stuttering right now, but the end of the regular season also uh is improved by it. So um, I I'm very uh impressed by that addition, and I'm I I didn't think I would be, but I am. I think people have been tuning into the plans. For oh, sure. Yeah. Um. For sure. On the side of the Clippers, as somebody who has been kind of like the biggest Clippers supporter, defender, and and I think on the pod, um, Ty Lue, who is my guy, of course, I think Ty Lue, for the, for the Timberwolves at least, cat fouling out so early was a blessing in disguise because Ty Lue game planned so hard to keep him from, from doing what he usually does, and it worked. And then when he went out of the game... Then he's like, well, now what do I do? I've stopped their star player. Now now what do I do? I mean, he was doing a great job of switching off Cat and keeping him out of the paint, you know, not letting him get, you know, he he would take that ball at the top of the at the top of the key and they wouldn't let him get in the paint. I thought that was really, really good defense from from Ty Lue and, and the Clippers. And then when Cat goes out of the game, he didn't adjust to it. You know, it's it's hard not to adjust to that uh that star player. So you gotta have that backup plan, even though you don't expect it. But uh yeah, the Clippers, they will take on the Pelicans tonight. On Wednesday, um, Charlotte and Atlanta played, and the Hawks ended up taking care of business in the second half. They beat the Hornets 132-103. to Trey Young, not his best shooting performance, uh, but he did still finish with 24 points, 11 assists. DeAndre Hunter, not a great first half. Uh, 22 points in the game, ended with 19 in the third with seven rebounds. LaMelo Ball had a good game for... Charlotte on the other end with 26 points, five rebounds, and eight assists. I, you know, obviously I'm going to come from a, I'm a from a place of a little bit of homerism, but the the Hawks are a team that are really dangerous. So I mean, I think that they're a little underseeded. I think some things during the regular season that were a little bit out of their control, uh, you know, didn't allow them to be the higher seeds that they expected to be. But they, you know, they still have that. Pretty much that same team from the team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I feel like, you know, if they win tonight, it it they could be a problem for Miami. Maybe not. I'm not sure. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I didn't think that they would have a chance against uh, Philly last year. And I also didn't think they'd win a game or two against uh, Milwaukee. So you never know. <laughs> and um, so I think, yeah, I mean, they got to get past the Cavs, which still the Cavs um, – very talented team. I I think I would. I think the Hawks get it done tonight just because they're experienced last year, and I think Trey Young's best player on the court in that game. Also, I'll just come at it from a Charlotte perspective since you um, took Atlanta side. I'm I'm kind of scared of where Charlotte is at this point. Mm-hmm. I love I do like Lamelo, but how much better can they really get? Um, I I like they seem like they are teetering on just being stuck in the middle again, which scares me a little bit. And um, Miles Bridges is deservedly so going to ask for a lot of money. We'll see if, how they handle that. And um, yeah, we'll see. I just uh, I'm I'm just I, I'm not gi- giving up on them at all. I'm just at this point in time, two years in a row, getting just blasted in the playing game. Yeah. Last year they were ahead of schedule. This year they were expected to compete for the playoff spot, and they they got they got into the playing and just got kind of embarrassed again. So. I'm not pressing the panic button yet, but I, I would start to get a little nervous about where this team's headed. They got a lot of big decisions this offseason. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, Hawks, solid playoff team. I think the Heat, just the overall depth in that guard with Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, the options they could put on Trey Young. Also, Bam inside the post. Um, Obviously, you know, I still do think the Hawks win. And obviously, the Cavs get Jared Allen back, which is huge for the interior defense. Clear up the paint. Also, allow Mobley to help out, too. But... You know, with Charlotte, I think every team that needs to contend comes to a crossroads, and it's what you do at that crossroad that makes you great. Obviously, you know, you look at the Lakers. They came through the crossroad after winning. What they do? They go and they get Westbrook. Obviously, probably wasn't the best choice, and you saw the impact on that team. And you saw what the Warriors did when they, you know, they lost. 
What are they going to do? They come in, they bring in Durant. Or the Bulls, you know, they bring in DeRozan or they bring in Vucevic. And, you know, they make the, that trade to put them over the hump. And Charlotte, um, you know, this is the problem. You know, they'll still score 40, but they'll give up 50. And that interior defense, if you watch them play, is absolutely horrid. I'm sorry, but Miles Plum Plumley is not going to be your center of the future, which is, I mean, I know there's not much merit to this, but if you see Rudy Gobert on that trade block and you're Charlotte and you don't put the full court press on that, I really don't know if you're that committed to LaMelo Ball in the future. Or I don't know how committed you are to actually putting a contender together. Because there's just maybe even a Miles Turner trade as well. The point is you need someone inside to clog up that paint. You need interior defense because that's just even a defensive wing too to help out LaMelo off the ball. Because even look at look how the Timberwolves built around, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. They brought in Pat Bev, who I think is the perfect complement, you know, with the one-two play with D'Angelo Russell. So with Charlotte, it's just, you know, who are you going to bring in? How are you going to fix those holes? Because I think if they, I mean, it's kind of obvious what their problems are. And if they fix those problems, there's no problem being a top four seed in the East, in my opinion. The offense is there, yeah. yeah. Especially with LaMelo Ball. I think he'll take another step next year. Uh, I think they'll probably try to retain Miles Bridges. I like having Terry Rozier there with LaMelo as well. I think those two complement each other's games pretty well. It, it, they definitely do need to bring in a big man presence because, because, as you said, Mason Plumlee is not scaring anyone in the East, especially a team with centers Pistons like... Pistons legend. <laughs> and Pistons legend. You, you know, you're not scaring teams with Giannis, with Embiid, with Bam Adebayo, with Clint Capella. Those guys are going to eat, and obviously Capella did have a good game, 15 points, 17 rebounds. Yeah, I mean, they were just killing him on the pick and roll that whole time. That's an interesting point, I think, to bring up. If if Utah does decide to maybe make some changes this year, if they have another you know early playoff exit, they could go with someone like a Rudy Gobert if he becomes available. I do believe they have the money for it. Uh, I wonder if they do decide to pursue someone like Rudy Gobert, uh, if that alters their pursuit of Miles Bridges at all. Uh, I think it might just because you know you might you might be strapped for cash at that point because Rudy Gobert does have that super max. I do think that they are a team that could be something scary. I mean, Manit, uh, he was a huge proponent of the Hornets this year. Um, I think it, it is obviously defense, and I, do, and I do think it comes from the interior. I mean, we were talking at the trade deadline. You know, we were talking about when they got Montrose Harrell, we kind of thought that that would be something that would boost them a little bit. But it turns out that, you know, Montrose Harrell is probably like the guy you turn to to, to protect the rim and defend the post for you was probably not the greatest decision. I don't, yeah, no, I don't. Or Mason Plumley, I guess. Either way. Rudy Gobert would be great. I just don't, I'm close to being fed up with them. That's way <laughs> too early. I know I'm, I'm usually, I'm usually the one that holds out a lot of hope, but I just, I just have a feeling I just, I that they'll, they can top out as like a six, maybe a five seed, losing, make, win a couple games and lose in the first round. Like a modern day Pacers. <laughs> yeah, but they have a, like, they have but a they star. But they do have a star, yeah. yeah. So that could change everything, obviously, but. I don't know. I just have a hunch, and uh, I want them to be good. I love Lamella. I love Miles. I like. I think Borrego's a solid coach. I just, uh, I'm a little. I'd, I'd be a little bit nervous if I was a Hornets fan. Yeah, we'll see what their ceiling is. And then after that game, the Pelicans did a real nice job playing against the Spurs. They won that game 113 to 103. They were up by a lot more than this, uh, but the Spurs worked their way back because that's what they naturally do. C.J. McCollum, who's been there before, 32 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, hit 3 threes, I believe. Brandon Ingram, also tremendous, 27 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. On the Spurs side, Devin Vassell, or Vassell, I think, led the Spurs with 23. This makes me wonder if we've kind of seen, like, maybe Pop is kind of winding his way down. I mean, Greg Popovich, I mean, the last two years... They've been in the play-in. I don't remember if they made the playoffs in the bubble. I think they were maybe just on the outside. But, I mean, you know, usually this is a team with Greg Popovich we're used to seeing at the top of the Western Conference, and it's just not that way anymore. You know, and they've and they've gone away from what they used to have with these stars like Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, guys like that. You know, they just don't have that, that type of roster anymore. I'm wondering if this is maybe they're going to try to start moving in a new direction sometime soon. I think if not, I, I saw a report today. I didn't. Um, I saw just a little notification that he's thinking maybe one more year. Okay. But um, 
Um, so I think if it's not this year, it's very soon, possibly next. But I mean, he broke the he got he, winning as coach ever. He's done basically everything he can do as a coach, and um, it's just the yeah, like you said, the roster just isn't there. But the Pels, I'm I'm very interested in because I think Willie Green's done a good job. Yeah, turning him around. C.J. McCollum has been solid in that offense. I would like hopefully see him with Zion some at some point. I like Herb Jones and Alvarado, very interesting, um, exciting Herb players. Jones, man. Love Herb Jones. Yeah. And then Brandon Ingram is just as solid as solid gets. Um, you know what you're getting from him. He threw down a nasty dunk too. Yeah. Uh, in that game, so I, 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 especially with Paul George out tonight, I would not be uh, surprised at all if the uh, if the Pels get it done and get into the playoffs. And one more thing, this is something that's very random, but. As a Pistons fan, Paul George being out sucks because if uh, the Pels win this game and their pick is not in the lottery, then Portland doesn't get it, and then Portland couldn't use that to trade for Jeremy Grant. Oh, and yeah. I want that <laughs> lottery pick. Oh, yeah. So I'm rooting. I, I As a fan, a neutral fan, I'd rather have the Pels to win, but as the the potential for a, an extra lottery pick that may or may not happen, I'm rooting for the uh, for the Clippers. That's a really deep cut, but that's just nice. what I thought about. I mean, the Spurs, you know, ever since obviously Kawhi forced his way out, it felt like they've already just been in sort of like a state of flux. And, you know, you look at their roster, obviously, you know, you have Dante Murray and Jacob Portal. But, um, you know, it just doesn't seem like a playoff roster, to be honest. And, you know, Murray, I think, could be a star in this league for a while, especially with his off-ball defense, et cetera. But, you know, he's just – it feels sort of like – it's towards the end of Pop career, Pop's career. And, you know, like we said, it's probably, in my opinion, the greatest coach in NBA history, in my opinion. I'd take him over Phil Jackson. Just with the... Yeah, I'd probably take him over <laughs> Phil. That's just... I mean, that's, that's a debate for another day, but... <laughs> I mean, he's done it all. He's won gold medals. He's done everything you could possibly do. And, you know, just props to him. If he does call it quits, I mean, obviously the NBA is going to miss him. He's just a basketball icon. But also with the Pelicans, man. I mean, there's just what you're talking about, like coming back and rebuilding a roster. Herbert Jones, apparently his nickname is the Straight Jacket. Oh, I and believe it. I know you. You better believe it, man. He's just an amazing defensive stud they find in the draft. Who I think is going to be amazing alongside Zion when he gets back. And Brandon Ingram, Loki, has been quietly having you know possibly his best season of his career so far, at least in my opinion. I'd say, and he didn't even make the All Star game this year as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's probably the biggest all-star stub in my opinion. But he's been quietly been amazing. And also, the CJ McCollum trade, not going to lie, when I first saw that, I was like, man, I really don't know what the Pelicans are doing. He was like, you're trading for, you know, essentially Damian Lloyd's backup. And I really didn't see really see the fit, you know. But the immediately impact he's had has been, you know, absolutely amazing. Come playoff time, what we're seeing now, when he dropped, what, 40 points last game? 42 points last game has just been tremendous. Yeah, I think it added a, a a sense of like veteran leadership that really wasn't in that locker room. You know, you got a bunch of young guys on that team, and they needed someone to give them, you know, that uh that that boost that they needed. They needed they needed a leader, and they got one in CJ, who I think has been ready to be a leader uh, for a long time. He's always been you know kind of a, viewed as the sidekick to Damian Lillard, but now that he's got his own team, we can see what he can do with it. And I mean, especially if they get Zion Williamson back. I know he hasn't played the whole year, so him just you know coming cold off the bench for not playing since like April of last year, it would be kind of interesting. But you remember how dominant he is when he does play. He is unstoppable About in 30, the paint. Yeah, thirty points a game, shooting almost seventy percent. He's a ridiculous I mean, player. Yeah. If he stays healthy, especially hey, his ceiling is yeah. best player in the league. Like he is, especially alongside Valanciunas too. I think gets enough credit as well. Mm-hmm. Walking double double, dominant team. I mean, they could be. I think that if you have a full season of Zion, maybe you add one more player. I think they have another pick. They have two picks, don't they? Or do they, they have just the have Lakers? One? They can, and they have the Lakers. They, they can add more talent in this draft. And that Lakers pick is looking nice, right? And now. it's going to be a little <laughs> bit higher than they expect. I think they imagine. The Lakers says that the Lakers pick is the eighth best lottery odds, eighth or ninth, something like that. So, so imagine they add Chet Holmgren. You know, a shooter. You know, <laughs> imagine they end up at like eight or nine or. So somewhere in that range. Imagine they take a, an athletic, another athletic wing like Benedict Matherin, or, or you know, a guy who can be a another go-to scorer in Keegan Murray. You never Chet, know. Chet and Zion would be crazy. That would be awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, oh. and they have like I think they have like a three percent chance, three to five percent chance of the first pick. But they would never know. They have a great shot at being a team that is a force in the Western Conference, depending on how things go. I mean, I think all the pieces are there for it. I really yeah. like Willie Green and the defensive identity he's brought to that team. Please stay healthy, Zion. Please stay healthy, Zion. So tonight we've got two games. We'll just go through these kind of quick. Hawks and Cavs. Uh, it's seven thirty tonight on ESPN. So you know we're recording in some of these playoff. Games have not been set, but they will be after tonight. Uh, it's in Cleveland. The Hawks are a two-point favorite. Uh, I think a lot of that rides on if Jarrett Allen plays. Uh, who do you guys each have? Josh, who do you got in this one? You know what? I'm going to stick with even if Jarrett Allen plays, I'll take the Hawks. I just think Trey Young, he's the guy who can take over a playoff game. You'll ask any New York Knicks fan, they'll probably say, you know, a whole slur of words. Yeah. and you no. Know, but you know what? That's how you know a guy's good, and that's how you know a guy could take over a series. So I think just solely off him, obviously, you know, not his best game last game, but just that ability to just, you know, just be a different level. I think it's hard to really bet against that. I think I'll take him, and I'll take him covering too. So since I assume Carter's going to take Atlanta, I'll take the Cavs just so I can uh, lay their case out there for a win. Um, it says barring any setback, uh, pregame Jared Allen's good to go. Um, that interior defense is much needed, especially Trey Young getting into the paint. And I think if Darian Gar- Darius Garland can repeat uh, performance he had against Brooklyn, I think that they'll put him in a very good chance to win. And um, I just like I like Garland and Allen back together, and I think that um, I think the Cavs will win. I, I I think they will win by five to seven points. That's my prediction. I am going to take Atlanta, and I do think, and I saw a stat, and it's that Trey Young averages 28 points on like 52% shooting or something against top five defenses in the league. I don't know if the Cavs are still a top five, but I mean, they're a tremendous defensive team. But, and I mean, every time I've seen a team that plays defense, the Hawks are about to play, I'm thinking, oh man, they're going to lock up Trey. But then he has some of his best games of the season. I mean, he ended the year on like a 30 points a game tear. And, I mean, I think we could see that again tonight. Trey Young is so smart at knowing what teams are going to throw at him. Um, I think in this sense with Cleveland, you have two big men in Mobley and Allen, whether both of them are defending the paint or one is defending in space. Trey is going to find the weak spots on that defense, and that's what he always did. I mean, he abused that in the last game against against Charlotte. He knew that you know they weren't going to protect the rim that well, so they were running pick and rolls. He was throwing lobs. He was finding guys. Uh, I mean, Charlotte, just as a defensive unit, was is terrible. Uh, so he was he was finding open shooters. He was getting guys in the paint. He was getting into the paint, getting to his floater. Um, he was taking advantage of switches. And I think that even with a team like Cleveland, who is great on defense, I think that he's going to do that again tonight. Um, this is the time where, you know, we we saw what Trey said earlier, early in the regular season when he said the that the regular season was boring. Well, it's not the regular season anymore, so I think he and Capella and all these guys are uh, back ready to play, and uh, I think that they will win this one. I don't think it'll be a blowout or anything. I think it'll be probably a game that is decided in the fourth quarter, uh, but I'm, I'm taking the Hawks. And then the next game, 10, 10 o'clock Eastern on TNT, we have Pelicans and Clippers. The line is even, which I think is interesting. Um, I would say the Pelicans are favorites uh, without without Paul George in there. I'm taking the, I'm going to take the Pelicans in this one. I think that the Clippers had kind of a rough go of it uh, in that game against uh, against the Timberwolves, and I think that the Pelicans are riding high after after what they did to the Spurs. I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. No Paul George is just you know where does the scoring come from? I think if you're if you're the Clippers, I think what is it like Norman Powell would be the guy. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think the Pelicans take this one pretty easily. I think I'm gonna agree um, for a lot of the reasons that you just said, and I I am surprised the lines even. Um, I don't have much else to say other than I think Brandon Ingram is gonna step up and have a really big game, and the only reason I think the Clippers have a chance is because of Ty Lue. Josh, what do you got? Well, this has been a Clippers team who at the beginning of the season, no Kawhi, no Paul George. Most of us written them off and said they're not going to be in this position. They're not going to be able to, you know, even be in a playoff game. I had a probably a fourth worst team in the West, or not making the play-in at least, you know, with no starting, you know. The players are stepped up, you know, Reggie Jackson, Zubak, you know, 
Terrence Mann also. And, you know, I I think it's going to be a game. It's going to be close because the Clippers know how to play together. And like you said, Tyler was an amazing coach, top five coach in the league. When it comes to it, just the Pelicans with, like, you know, the stoppers they have defensively at Herb Jones. I think the inside presence of Alan Tunis and then the one-two punch of McCollum and Ingram. Without having Paul George there defensively especially, I just think it's too much for the Clippers in this game. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me if a Warrior close game, but I got to go Pelicans. See, I would love for either of these teams to win and then get their star players back healthy for whatever series they end up playing. And, I mean, I don't think either of those teams will beat Phoenix, but, I mean, I think that, what, if you get Paul George and Kawhi back against the Suns, be... That's a fun. I, I'm I'm already looking for that. Uh, Covington and Powell Trey may be very excited for next year if they can all stay healthy. That's a, oh, yeah. that's yeah. a scary team. With that's those. a solid unit. Yeah. So then we have some games that are set for Saturday. Uh, our playoff series start with the Jazz at Mavericks on at 1 p.m. on ESPN. Utah is a five-point favorite. Timberwolves will play in Memphis against the Grizzlies at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. Memphis is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. And then you got the Raptors at Philadelphia playing the 76ers. Uh, that is at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Philly is just a four-point favorite over Toronto. And then at 8.30 p.m. on ABC, we have the Nuggets at Warriors. Golden State is also a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Which of these series uh, will you be paying most close attention to? Um, I This might be a hot take. I think that the Raptors are going to push the Sixers to uh... – Six or seven games, and might even win that series. I really like um, how long and defensive-minded that team is, and I think if Scotty Barnes steps up to the like, is able to per, uh, replicate the way he played in the regular season, um, I don't think Harden's going to want to see him, OG, any of those guys uh, just bothering him all series. I also I love Joel. I think um, he has a very solid case to, uh, to be the MVP this year. Obviously. I just he isn't he hasn't done it for me in the playoffs yet. So I just like and Nick Nurse, in my opinion, might be the best coach in the game. I think that he'll find a way to slow both those guys down. I don't like the fact that they don't have any real set like that they they traded away Seth Curry. They don't really they Danny Green and Tobias Harris are their best spot up shooters. I don't really love that. Um so that is what I'm most looking forward to. I'm a big uh proponent of Toronto in that series. Doc Rivers may be the biggest fraud of a coach I've seen <laughs> in playoff history in the NBA. That's the truth. I mean, besides the Celtics championships, I don't think I've seen a coach consistently get out-coached and outclassed in a series every time in the playoffs since then. And, you know, just talking about going up against possibly one of the best defensive coaches in Nick Nurse, and you look at the schemes he's been able to do, especially I love, against I his defensive him. schemes. I love going on Twitter and just talking, seeing all the takes calling about Oh, this is terrorism. This is whatever. <laughs> Putting three guys on the beat and forcing him to pass. That's what they're going to do. I mean, look, I if it works, it works. There's a reason why he won a championship. And, you know, like you said, Raptors at 76ers, I think, is going to be an amazing series. Nuggets and Warriors, I think, will be good. But, you know, Steph Curry's injury is possibly the big nagging part of that. But for me, I really look for Timberwolves versus Grizzlies. Mm. I mean, you're talking about two young teams, little playoff experience between them. So, you know. There's not really an experience edge over the other. Just two electric teams, John Morant versus Anthony Edwards. You know there's going to be highlights throughout that. Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Grizzlies probably squeak it out in six games. But um, And then obviously Jazz and Mavericks, Luka Doncic, you know what you're going to see there. But um, what I'm most looking forward to, it's got to be Raptors and Sixers. I mean, I just think it's the star powers there, the coaching's there, and it just has just a setup for a great game. The one I'm most looking forward to is uh, Utah and Dallas. I feel like there is just some internal fuse with Utah ready to blow. It just feels like they've been this regular season team for all for these last, I don't know, what, 10 years or so? Really long time. And then it just feels like they're just trying to hold things together with duct tape. That's just kind of what it feels like to me. I mean, just the way that they were consistently blowing big leads towards the end of the year is just so uncharacteristic of, of a Utah Jazz team. They're always so poised. They're always so disciplined. You know, if they get a big lead against a the team, they're usually going to cash in and win. And obviously, I think that there is some some 
butting heads in that organization. Uh, you could see a change. You could see them move on from Quinn Snyder. Uh, you probably will see ownership make a decision between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, so if they, and I know that they're the five seed in this situation, but if you, if they go out again early in the playoffs, you know, when was the last time they went to a Western conference finals? Couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you either. Yeah. Utah. Probably 98, right? Was it that long ago? I'm pretty. I've never seen him in the Western Conference Finals before that. I yeah, want to. I want to find. They didn't make it with like John Stockton. They didn't make it with like Darren Williams or yeah. Karolinko. Wow. Shout yeah. out AK47 for real. Yeah, that man. Another on the other side of that, I totally agree with what you said, by the way, and I think that there is probably more pressure on Utah. But and I'm not saying Luca isn't a top five player or top seven player, or whatever you want to rank him. But people are so, and I'm, I'm not using this to bash Luca. I think that he could be the best player in the world one day. But people are, are quick to anoint him as that, and he hasn't made it out. Not his fault. He's played unbelievable, but right. he's hurt, and he's missing game one. Um, you don't know how um, how well he's going to come back. Um, he's going to try to play, uh, obviously, but he's not going to be 100%. And he, has never, he hasn't made it out of the first round of the playoffs yet. So I think that there is pressure on him to, um, to get back healthy in the, a team that's the higher seed in this, in this scenario. And there's always going to be those comparisons, him and Trey Young, that draft day trade, obviously. Uh, so, and Trey made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and had all that playoff success, and um, Luka hasn't been able to find that yet. So I think there is pressure on both teams. That, like both, um, both teams are in scenarios where their fan bases are. It's gonna be it's gonna be bad either way. Um, it's, it'll be fun to watch. Um, those, those, those hot takes on Twitter oh, after that series. <laughs> either way it goes. So. So the, the last the last conference finals appearance for the Utah Jazz was in two thousand seven. Who did they play? They played the Spurs. They lost in five. Oh wow! Who do who do they? Assume it's do you have the roster? Williams kind and of, Boozer, I assume. The ro- the two thousand six two thousand seven Utah Jazz. Nope, that's the season. That's interesting. I don't I'm gonna look this up that. though. Still, yeah, I just think the tensions are boiling over in. Uh, in Utah, and I think that there is a chance that things could be blown up. I mean, we could see uh, what's his name. We could see I'll tell you what, Quinn, uh, Quinn Snyder. We could see him with another team. So Spurs. this team had Darren Williams was on this team. They had Paul Millsap, Kirilenko, Derek Fisher. Uh, they had D Brown from Illinois. He was that was his rookie season. Yeah, Didn't Kier- he win yeah. a, a, a Natty? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Carlos Boozer and Ronnie Burrow were on these teams. For sure. Yeah, oh five, and they lost to UNC. So not a bad team here. Also, uh, we talked about Gobert fitting in Charlotte. Yeah, um, I think Gobert in Dallas would be awesome. That's, an, that's my second. That'd be another. Yeah, that. that'd be a big man. They presence. would have possibly the best offensive player in the league paired with the best defensive player in the league. That and, pick and roll, man. Yeah, Oof. yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be awesome. I don't that that would be really fun. And I think that um, I think Go- Gobert needs a, a fresh start. And I, I, this the relationship between him and Donovan Mitchell. I know they say it's okay, but um, there's just it seems yeah, like it's got to be lot, bad. Like you can strange. just tell when something's like. Did you get? Did you guys see that stat? Yeah, the like, pass thing. The passing. He averages like, like he averages like two the, passes yeah. to him, not two assists, but two passes a game. Yeah, I listen. Like, that like can't be. Boban, that can't. And like Boban Bogdanovich like averaged more passes to him. That can't and be he's a been coincidence. Since like half the season. That can't be a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I. I I don't I do think that's a little like if you watch Mitchell though he's more of like the passes he makes are off his drive and more kick out passes not really like a lay down passer but yeah it is still crazy that he has the ball that much and he's not passing it he's not passing it to him but um yeah I I think this that's a little bit overblown because I was I listened to a do you guys listen to Thinking Basketball podcast at all No who's that one Who does um, that one Uh Taylor's his last name. Um, I would recommend it though; it's a good one. But they 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 talked about that and they talked about um, the style of passes he makes. And then I went and next time I watched the Jazz game, I watched it. And it's not like he's just like, um, it's not like he's like he doesn't miss very many passes to him. Like yeah, it's just like he attacks the rim so hard, and then he's usually him kicking it out mm-hmm. the corner or the wing. So they talked about that, but it is still I still don't think that relationship is is all that great right now. No, I don't think so either. So I think that there are a lot of storylines in a lot of these in a lot of these series that go a little bit beyond basketball uh, that should be fun to see unfold as we go through 
the playoffs. So I think, I mean, and I think we're going to have a whole lot of fun in these playoff series. Um, so to recap the, we're going to, you know, recap the regular season. I mean, it was pretty good. T- it was a good season. You know, we, we haven't talked in a while about what was, what's been going down. Um, so I want to get your guys' opinion. What team or player or coach or whoever it is impressed you the most? And we'll and Josh, we'll get to you when you mention what coach disappointed you the most. But uh, Liam, I want to know who was the most impressive of you know whatever whatever you saw. What impressed you the most this season? I think the fact that I w- what I was happy about was that um, last season people were talking about how the playoffs, like the finals, was kind of uh, not the true finals because all the injuries, but just to see Phoenix step up and prove that they are uh, the best team in the NBA the regular season. That was really f- cool to see. Monty Williams deserves all the credit in the world. And then even with all with uh, Chris Paul uh, being out for uh, the last little bit, a lot of players have stepped up, and they've still continued to, to win a lot of games and uh, hold on to that one seed by a pretty wide margin. So I think uh, the Suns proving themselves. Uh, obviously, people knew they were good, but they got – even better from a, a team that made the finals last year. So I think um, that was what impressed me most um, was meeting and exceeding the expectations that they had. Yeah, I mean, you you usually see those teams that lose the finals. You don't really see them get back a lot of those times. But, I mean, Phoenix is a better team this year than they were last year. Yeah. So, I mean, they're really impressive. I'll go same conference. I'm going to bump down one seed, Memphis. I mean, we talked about them as potentially being in the play-in before the season. We're like, oh, yeah, they'll be a team that – that could be like a scrappy team that, you know, a higher seed wouldn't want to face. Now they are that higher seed. And I think that's all due to the identity and the culture that John Morant and Jaron Jackson and those guys have formed. I mean, I think that I don't know if I've ever seen a team truly love playing together more than that Memphis team. I mean, you could just see they all have so much fun. They all like each other, and I think that matters a lot in terms of building teams and building chemistry. Uh, Taylor Jenkins has done an awesome job as coach. Um, I mean, I do think they're a little young. You know, I do think it's a it's a team that is led by a lot of youth. Uh, but I and and I think that sometimes that can be kind of uh, uh, a problem in the postseason, especially if you're facing maybe a team that's a little underseeded that's been there before. Not to say that that's Minnesota, but. I think that they could get in a little trouble in that way, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see them make just a really deep run just because Ja is going to show the world. I think he's shown the world he's here, but I think that he's going to kind of continue to build on that. And I think they'll get a big playoff series out of Jaron Jackson. But, I mean, those guys have just been, what, they went 56 games or something like that? Yeah, they were that's, crazy. And that's absurd. Ja also missed 20-something yeah. games. And they, I know the stats beating in the ground, but they, they, don't, they, just, they don't lose. They know how to win. They play for each other. Even when they don't have their best player, um, they're so deep. Jenkins is such a good coach. There's so much talent and so much good coaching in the league right now. It's got, a, in my opinion, all-time high in terms of talent and coaching. It's it's really fun to watch. Yeah, so for me, that's that's Memphis. And Josh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you have some positivity before you go, before you uh, I let mean, loose on us. Obviously, you know, you have Memphis, the Clippers, you know, very exceed expectations. Obviously, the Timberwolves, and, you know, we talked about the Suns, too. But a team, in my opinion, that you know really bounced back this year are the Raptors. Yeah, and you're talking a team that was 27 wins last year, 27 45. They come out they 48 and 35, with the draft pick of Scotty Barnes, who most people at the time on draft day really didn't really give them up that much hype. People were very against it. You know, people sort of thought it was a bad pick, especially with I know they really wanted Jalen Suggs with Kyle Lowry there. Mm. I mean, you used the guy who's been the biggest face of your franchise for essentially. The whole, I mean, the whole franchise history, yeah. basically. Uh, you know, they have pressures to chew while you get OG and Anubi on defense. And, you know, obviously you have Fred Van Fleet. Gary Trent Jr. has been solid. And, um, you know, they're giving in Thaddeus Young. And um, obviously you have Chris Boucher and obviously Pascal Siakam being the star there. Uh, you know, just that ability of that team. And obviously, you know, you have an elite coach with Nick Nurse. You know it's not going to be long. But, um just, you know, with great franchises like that, and, you you know, when you have a great franchise culture, you don't start losing for long. Like, you know, great teams like that find ways to bounce back, find ways to get chemistry going, or find ways to coach, and, you know, and get, you know, quality on the court. And, you know, just the ability of that roster, because I don't think I had them being a top-five seed. I had them, like, borderline playing this year. I think most people did. But just the success they've been able to have is just absolutely, I think, deserves applaud. 
I mean, they were definitely a team that I kind of overlooked. I didn't really expect much of them after that that rough season that they had in 2021. But yeah, they they bounced back in a big way. Um, so obviously, with with teams that are impressive, there are teams that are disappointing, or teams, players, coaches, whoever you want to whoever you want to talk about. Liam, who who was it that didn't really meet your expectations this year? Um, well, as if I'm gonna go a team I had low expectations for, and I'm still. Um, oh yeah. And I, I'm just what? What's the meme that Joel Embiid, the the that Joel Embiid posted after the Ben Simmons? Oh, stop by the biggest haters funeral. Yeah, that's what I'm how I'm feeling right now because <laughs> I'm not a Knicks fan, and I don't I I think Thibodeau is a fine coach. I don't agree with a lot of things he does though. Julius Randle, fraud. Shouldn't have been <laughs> shouldn't have been an All NBA player last year. Zion was averaging thirty, didn't get an All NBA spot. No, I don't. I don't really hate. I'm just kind of messing. But that team, um, I just didn't really like the makeup of that team. I know R.J. Barrett played solid this year. Julius Randle's the way Julius Randle plays is not the prettiest, and I wasn't a fan of it. Showed in the playoffs, he kind of just settles for that long fadeaway two from the elbow. I just don't like that shot. Um, yeah, I think Derrick Rose was one of their better players last year, and he was hurt a lot this year. Um, and also, obviously, with the uh, those those legs he can't play very many minutes. Also Kemba Walker, I didn't really have high expectations for him, and then he basically he got played out of the road. He got taken out of the rotation, had a triple double, a couple of good games, and then he was like just not playing anymore again. So just a weird team. And um, well, they were the four seed last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, they I I didn't have high expectations, but I also didn't think they'd be this bad. Yeah, they had a bigger collapse than I thought they would. I think for me, the most disappointing team outside of obviously I was pretty disappointed in how Atlanta's been this year because I expected a lot more of them after that Eastern Conference Finals run. I think for me it was Indiana. That was because that was a team that I was super high on to start the season. I thought that Rick Carlisle was going to elevate that roster and make them you know, go from good to great. I thought that they had all just those those solid pieces that were going to really mold well together. And then basically it was like December that Sham Sharanya was reporting that they were going to blow it up. And it's like, what do you what do you bring in Rick Carlisle for if you're going to just blow it up like two months later? So I was kind of confused why they did that, and they just ended up being a team that kind of just stunk. And I mean, they didn't even move as many pieces as they could have. I mean, they've been they've been. I mean, I don't I don't think a player has been in more trade rumors for the last like five years than Miles Turner, and he's still in Indiana. Um, so I think that they're kind of confused about where they're gonna what what direction they're going right now. Um, so you know I. I was disappointed. I, I I see Indiana as like that solid playoff team every single year, but I think that they're going to take a couple of years and rebuild now, even after bringing in Carlisle. So I think it's just it, I think it doesn't make sense. I think this is this is a direction that doesn't know what it's doing. Can I push back a little bit? Yeah. So I actually think, obviously, based on what their expectations were coming into the year, they failed. But I think they're in a better spot now than they would have been if they were seven or eight seed. Yeah. Six to, six to eight seed, just because they stole. Halliburton mm-hmm. and he probably was he was better than Sabonis at the end of the year yeah and he's cheaper way younger and now they haven't had like a top 10 pick in since like the 80s I believe like it's been it's crazy oh, wow, yeah. so I think that I know I don't think they're gonna they're totally gonna burn it down because you got a core of Halliburton Miles Turner TJ Warren hopefully will be healthy next year and then you got a lot of solid like Duarte was solid as a rookie and then I just think that if if they if they hit in the lottery and make a good pick, I think that they'll be back on their feet a lot sooner than um, a lot sooner than a lot of people might think. But I I I totally get what you're saying, and I agree based on the preseason expectations. But as a Pacers fan, I'd rather be here than getting oh, yeah, bounced, trounced in the first by Boston. Again, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and then I'm gonna buy into him like a fool again next year. <laughs> Do love Halliburton though. That's a. That was... I mean, yeah, it's always been super solid. All right, Josh, lay it on us. You know, I could have easily just. Done the easy round, just chosen the Lakers and just gone off on oh, a yeah. tirade. Oh. But um, no, nah, obviously as a Bulls fan, I got to talk about. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna be upset because you know I'm thankful we made the playoffs. It's been like, it's because like I'm gonna sound like a privileged fan saying like, oh, you know, last five years we've been awful. I haven't been at play since Jimmy Butler was here. You know, getting a sixty is a step in the right direction, but just the second half of the season, something needs to be said about how Billy Donovan's offensive sets have been. Because essentially we're just playing hero ball with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And, you know, part of it is because we are, you know, Lonzo Ball. And you, you miss your main, you know, distributor like that. 
it sort of stagnates the offense. And I don't put the full blame on Billy Donovan. But, you know, it's sort of like I always say with Steve Kerr. You know, Steve Kerr has an amazing talent. Obviously, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. But I don't think there's going to be another coach that will get the most out of his offensive sets and design an offense as good for those players than Steve Kerr has for them. And I think that's why Steve Kerr, you know, same with Eric Spolstra with LeBron in Miami. You know, he doesn't get nearly enough credit because obviously people point to the stars and say, oh, well, you know, he's had star power his entire career. But, you know, I think the important thing as a coach, you got to design a system around that stars. And, you know, this has been a thing with Billy Donovan. Even even with Oklahoma City, with Chris Paul there, was there that one year, and I was talking to Oklahoma City Thunder fans about him. He's like, yeah, he's a solid coach, and, you'll, you know, if you have good offensive playmakers and scorers, you'll get a decent offense. But, like, when it comes down to it in the playoff time, when you need set plays, when you need a certain offensive system, when you face good teams like Milwaukee or even the top three teams that you've seen by record, the offense just stagnates. It gets two, two with one person, even – like DeMar will just start shot chucking from mid range, which, you know, DeMar's amazing when he's on. But when he's off, this offense is just horrid to watch. And obviously, you know, defense hasn't been strong series with Caruso and Lonzo out, but just the play from the Bulls the second half of the season, where we, I think we should have been a top three seed with our play. And part of that is strength of schedule as well, but just that offensive stagnancy towards the second half and that just stark fall off defensively has just been so disappointing for me. Out of the, out of the current playoff teams, like um, in the East, would you, who do you think Chicago could beat or would beat in a series? I don't think they beat Miami. I don't think they beat Boston. I don't think they beat Milwaukee. Definitely not Philly because they own us inside. Honestly, the only team I think I could possibly beat is Cleveland or Atlanta. Hmm. No offense, Carter. <laughs> no offense there. No, you're right. I think well, those are. I... I I don't think Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn has too much star power. Compared to us, maybe Brooklyn, but I don't think I think Toronto's too well coached. Philly and Milwaukee, no one's guarding Giannis on our team, and I think Boston, Miami, are just too well rounded. Can I ask you one more? Yeah. So, first, what is your, um, how confident you are you in this team going forward the next few years, and what do you think that they should do to become an actual contender? Okay, well, you know, I think obviously when it comes to creating a contender. Getting to the playoffs is the first step because you want to establish, like, to free agents, you're a winning culture. I think that's the start. I think DeRozan, his game's adept, and we have him for three more years. Zach Levine, we obviously need to resign him. And I think Patrick Williams, who I think is going to be a lockdown player for the next four or five years as part of this team. Lonzo Ball, I think, could be the point guard of our future. And Caruso, I think, is a solid role piece. One of the real main questions I have are Vucevic, Vuce, basically, and what's he going to be in the future? Because I don't think he can be our center long-term starting next season. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, you know, missing shots, his shot percentage has just been terrible from three, and that's part of the Billy Donovan system. You know, he's been missing three up threes, his diff- and his defense has just been terrible. I mean, you look at, we basically have the same problem as basically Charlotte, where it's when he faces guys like Giannis, we face these guys like Joel Embiid, who do we have to put on him? And maybe it's Patrick Williams, maybe it's not. But we need a better interior player, maybe a DeAndre Aiden, maybe go after you know a big time free agent, maybe a big big time free agent big man. But I think just focusing on the interior defense that's going on, and also getting some more wing depth. I mean, we saw when Zach and Lonzo went down, Matt Thomas was our starting point guard, and that's no disrespect to Matt Thomas, favorite player of the NBA. But um, yeah, I think overall just finding depth pieces and finding our next big man. Besides Vooch, because I don't think Vooch can cut it going forward as well. That's interesting, man. I, you know, I, I always, I, for thinking about, you know, how Atlanta can improve. I was using the Chicago model of like getting another star for your, for your, for your star player. Like, I really think that they need to go get somebody like, like Donovan Mitchell or something like that to put next to Trey Young. You need somebody else who can create when Trey's either out of the game or having an off game. Um, so May yeah, that's interesting. You and Jeremy Grant. No, I'm good. I mean, yeah, it's like I'm not debating like the two star system works. Like oh, obviously yeah. works. I'm just saying I, I everything don't want, else. Like, everything else around it just it just doesn't click in Billy's system, and that's that's where I have the problem with. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a strange ending to you know Chicago's year. Um, what were they like seven and fifteen over their last? It was like you know, I know we're four and six in the last ten. It's been rough. Yeah. But like so before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you guys: Have you guys seen the show Winning Time on? 
Oh, HBO yeah. Max. You've been watching that one? I've been watching every it episode. It is awesome, man. I, I Adam McKay. It, man. Adam McKay is the director. You know, he does a, he does a ton of stuff with Will Ferrell and and yeah. uh, John C. Riley and John C. Riley as uh, as I was gonna say as Doctor Boss, man. I was gonna say, he's been <laughs> awesome. I was gonna say yeah, he's done amazing acting as him. They've killed it with the casting and oh, yeah, just like the like direct magic like the like the directing style of especially Adam with McKay. Jerry West too. And then Jerry West, yeah, they oh, nailed that. I was gonna say yeah. they nailed that. And I think they did a good job with with Magic too, because yeah, that dude looks Magic a lot like him. And he's from Michigan too, so oh, I did not know that. So he he kind of is familiar a little bit. And I remember, I'm, and I'm watching the show, and they're talking about like, they're like, oh, what you're from Lansing? What is that like, some hick town or something? And I'm like, he's like, what is that all? Just like a bunch of farm town? I'm like, hey, you <laughs> now, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, so, I, I, I was gonna carve out time after the school year to watch it, but I'm glad it's so good. good oh, yeah, it's it's so good. It's amazing. I've been it, I've been looking forward to it every week. It's been really cool. All right, so we will get out of here now, uh, and we are going to watch some play-in basketball tonight, some play-off basketball tomorrow. We hope you guys do the same. We will see you when we see you, I guess, because when I say see you next week, we take like a month and a half break. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here, and uh, we'll see you guys when we do.